The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord. So today the Pharisees go to our Lord and they ask him this question, is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? And the Pharisees are really trying to entrap him. They're trying to catch him off guard. They're trying to catch him in a contradiction. They're kind of throwing this out there. Let me think of the most controversial question I can ask and throw it out there. They're a lot like a high school student. And so when our Lord responds to them, he doesn't answer the question directly. He doesn't answer a question about whether it's lawful to divorce one's wife. He answers the question, what does it mean to be a human? Right? What does it mean to be a human? Because more fundamental is this question of what does it mean to love? What does it mean to be in relationship? What does it mean to be in communion? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? These are the more important questions. And in our own time, we ask these same kinds of questions. But fundamentally, the question of our time is, what does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to love? What does it mean to be in relationship? 
And so our Lord goes on and quotes Genesis saying, From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And after this dialogue about the permanence of love in married life, St. Mark reflects on children coming to the Lord and Jesus saying, Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And it's important that he says this right after the teaching on the permanence of married love. Because he's pointing to a deeper reality about what it means to be human and what it means to be in relationship and what it means to love. that there's an order of love. And that order of love begins with belonging to our Lord, with being like children who go to him with every need, who rely on him for everything, who find rest in him because they belong to him. And when we look back at that reading from Genesis that Jesus quotes, it's, from Genesis chapter 2, and in Genesis chapter 2, we have this story of how we were created, and first Adam's created, and he's put in the garden, and, and he realizes that he is more like God than the created world. His experience of himself is that he's different from the rest of the created world. He's capable of knowing the Lord. He knows he belongs to the Lord, and yet there's a longing in his heart, a desire in his heart, To also belong to someone else, to have a communion, to be in relationship. And yet nothing in the created world is suitable for that. And so God says, it's not good for the man to be alone, I'll make him a suitable partner. And then he brings him a dog. A giraffe, like a platypus, like... That's how the narrative goes, and we could, all, we could kind of say, well, if God knows everything, didn't he know that he needed a woman? Why didn't he just bring him a woman? But there's an unpacking of that experience of kind of looking for belonging, seeking after a person who is like him. And as that longing grows in his heart, then God casted his sleep on him and brought him the woman. And when he, when he encounters her, he can see that her body is like his body, but not like his body. And when he looks into her eyes, he can see that she knows the same God that he knows, that, that she also follows this same pattern of love, that she belongs to the Lord. And because they realize that each of them belong to the Lord, they know that they belong to each other. And then he's able to cry out, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And that indissolubility of the communion of love and marriage is rooted in the indissolubility or the irrevocability of the love of God for each and every one of us. 
And so we continue to teach that marriages between baptized people are permanent, that they can't be broken. But it's also a story about how we find belonging and how we make sense out of our lives. Because we live in a culture of loneliness, a culture where people questions like, what does it mean to belong and how do I find communion and what am I looking for? I think if, if this parable was given for, this, for today, it might say something like, it's not good for the man to be alone, so God gave him an iPhone. Or he created Netflix binging. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him work all the time so he's distracted from his loneliness. Those are the things that we experience in our own lives when we feel like, ah, I don't feel right, I'm going to look at my iPhone. But none of those things satisfy either. And none of those things satisfy either because we're created for communion and we're created for belonging. And there are lots of things in our world that get in the way and become a distraction to belonging. And when Jesus entered into the world, he entered into the world to transform our hearts and to reveal to us who we belong to and to help us to live in a true communion, a true community, in real relationships of love within our families, especially within marriages. And that is only possible when we realize that we belong to him first. You know, priestly celibacy is about belonging to our Lord. And belonging to our Lord so much that there's no room in our hearts for anything else. That there's no room in our hearts for anything else. And it's only in belonging to our Lord that we can really give ourselves to the people that God's entrusted to us. And yet it's also difficult for us to live out that communion of love. It's easy for us to become distracted from the fact that we belong to Jesus. A lot of priests struggle with, I belong to administrating my parish. Or I belong to endless activities. Instead of belonging to our Lord. And I was giving a talk to a bunch of moms the other day, yesterday, and one of the, one of the questions somebody asked was, like, Father, in the midst of everything that's going on right now, and we've been finding out about priests, even in our own diocese, who have struggled to live their vows, like, how can we help them? You know, like, how can we help them? And so my answer to that was just really simply, like, just, like, ask them how they're doing. Like, just, like, love them. Because sometimes we think we're Superman and we can do everything. 
And sometimes we need people to just say, Father, how are you, how are you carrying everything? You know, in these last weeks especially, like, I've been carrying a lot of burden in my heart. And I'm carrying the burden of people who come to me who are looking for help, healing their relationships, their marriages, their families. Carrying the burden of brother priests who are really suffering right now. Carrying the burden of what's going on in the whole church. And I have some friends who are really good to me. And uh, so, like, this little community of friends, there's about three couples, they sent me this text message. It says, uh, we're having mass at your office at 5.30, then making a holy hour, then we're having dinner. You can show up if you want to. Which was sort of their way of saying, like, we're going to show up and be there for you. We're going to rally around you. We rally around our other friends when they're suffering, and we need to do that for you. And I have really good therapist friends that I call, and I talk to them. And they'll ask questions like, are you taking care of yourself? Right? Are you taking care of yourself? Like, are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you taking time for yourself? Are you taking your day off? Those kinds of questions. And it's okay to ask those kinds of questions to priests, because sometimes we need a reminder that we're not Superman. You know? And so if you want to do something, like just care about your priest and ask them. You know, like ask Father Johnson, Father, are you okay? Surely he'll be like, yes, why are you asking? Right? <laughs> it's none of your business. No. And I can be like that too. But at the same time, it's good to have that called out. Right? It's good to have that called out and to be reminded you know, that we need to be in relationship because we're created for relationship. We're not created to be put on a pedestal where there's no relationships. We're created to be in relationship first with our Lord, just like all of us. And then from that font of love that we receive from our Lord to be able to go out to others. And every time we receive our Lord in the Eucharist, it's a moment of remembering that we belong to him. That the most important relationship in our life is with him. That he is our refuge. He's the place that we go when we're tired. He's the place we go when we're bored. He's the place we go when we're lonely. He really is the cure for the chronic loneliness that we find in our culture. Because we try so many other things to distract us from what's really important. You know, this week there's pledge cards in the pews about signing up for Eucharistic Adoration as part of the Rosary Crusade and Eucharistic Adoration Crusade. And I would encourage you to consider like, spending some time with our Lord intentionally. First and foremost, to remember that you belong to Him, that He is the Lord of our life, that He is the one that makes sense out of things that don't make sense. That he is the one that brings light to the darkness. That he is the one that lifts the burden that we carry in our hearts. That he is the one who loves you. So that then we're more free to enter into that kind of communion and love that we're meant to have in married life. In family life. In our parish life and in the life of the church. 
And it can also be a time to really pray for all members of the church who are suffering. And that our Lord continues to transform us so that we become what we were meant to be from the beginning. From the beginning, it was not so, is not only a line about marriages, it's a line about the church. And it's a place that our Lord desires to heal. And so today, let us pray that our hearts be open to the transforming power of our Lord's love. That as we receive him in the Eucharist, we remember that we belong to him. That he heal the relational wounds in our life. So that we can love as we were meant to love from the beginning. That as we do so, we become an image of that perfect communion, that perfect love. That each of us hopes to enter into, to enjoy and to live in for eternity in the kingdom of heaven.